where we have the opportunity to take a look at what God can do when we give him everything in our lives, the brokenness and the struggles and those kind of things. So we're glad you're here to kind of wrap up this series. And today uh, we're going to talk about how to overcome fear and uh, how God can give you courage instead of that fear in your life. And so we're happy to do that. We're glad, all of you here, we're glad that people are live streaming. And in fact, I met a young man uh, just before the service in the foyer who had been watching the live stream for a while, and now he's here for the first time. And so we're glad he's here with us this morning, got to meet him. That was a good thing. And I'm glad you're going to be a part of this, kind of wrap this up. So before we dive into the Word, let's pray together, and then we'll start, okay? Father in heaven, thank you so much, Lord, for the day for the beauty of this day. Father, every day is a beautiful day when we walk with you. And so, God, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the privilege of worship. I'm grateful, Father, for the privilege of being in your word. So I pray, God, today you'll speak to us and help us to see what we need to see, to hear what we need to hear, so that we can apply it to our lives and, Father, be able to walk the way you want us to walk. We're grateful most of all for Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. What are you afraid of? I mean, have you really given that thought? Uh, what are you afraid of? What is it in your life that causes you to have fear? Now, you know, for many of us, you know, we go back to the old song, you know, that says, I don't like spiders and snakes, you know. That would be at the top of everybody's list somewhere in the top five. Uh, We don't like spiders and snakes, and that would be a part of our fear in this life. In fact, at my house, uh, uh, when uh, even when I'm uh, down, uh, laying down at night, and that kind of thing, oftentimes I'll hear from downstairs, "Fred, there's a spider on the floor," you know. So I get up, I go downstairs, and I'm passing my daughter or my wife on the stairwell. And I'm saying, well, how big is it? Well, you know, it's this big, you know. It's that big. And when I get down to the kitchen, it's about the size of a pea, you know. And uh, are you like that? Have you ever approached a spider to get ready to take care of business with him, and and all of a sudden he turns toward you? You ever had that happen? And the little legs come up in the air, you know. And you're like, whoa, you know, what's happening here? If you're like some of the people I know, if you've got the shoe in your hand and you're ready to do business with a spider and it turns toward you, you scream like a little girl and the shoe goes up on the refrigerator, you know, and you run the other way, don't you? You know, spiders and snakes can do that to us. There's a whole list of phobias if you look them up. A whole list of fears that are listed for us when you Google that very thing. Let me give you an idea of what they they are. Uh, I start with the A's. Uh, Acrophobia, it's the fear of heights. Agoraphobia, the fear of open or public places. Anthropophobia, the fear of people. Aquaphobia, the fear of water. Astrophobia, the fear of thunder and lightning. It seems like when I started reading the list, as you start reading the list, if you take any Greek word and put phobia on the end, you've named a fear. And that's what it is, you know. You do that. You can jump down, bathmophobia. Now, I thought as soon as I read bathmophobia, it's the fear of taking a bath, right? That's what I thought. Nope. It's the fear of stairs and steep slopes. Claustrophobia, the fear of closed spaces. Nyctophobia, the fear of darkness. Numerophobia, the fear of numbers. Pyrophobia, the fear of fire. And zoophobia, it's the fear of animals. 
Now, you can go on and find others. There are hundreds upon hundreds of phobias that you can find. One of them that I found was fairly new. It's just over the last few years. It's called nomophobia. It's the fear of being without your cell phone. That's what that is. And I'll guarantee you there are a bunch of you that are like that. You know, the fear of being without your cell phone. In fact, I found one that I thought was a little weird, though. It's called turophobia. It's the fear of cheese. And i got to be honest with you, I have no fear of cheese. I like cheese, and cheese likes me, you know. You can tell, okay? But I started looking through the phobias, and I started trying to figure out what is it that people deal with, and then I found one that I think was mine. I didn't deal with a lot of them, but I think I deal with this one. And it's simply called, I'm going to show it on the screen, atychophobia. It's the fear of failure. I remember that hitting me for the first time, at least the time I remembered it. I was playing in a college basketball game, and I'd had a really, really good week on campus. My classes went well. I had good training. I was, I was having good practices. I just felt really good. We played a decent team that night. We were in Joplin to play, and, uh, and I, was, I was just feeling really good headed into the game, and I got into the game. It just seemed like everything was in the flow. You ever been there? And, you know, in the athletic world, we call it, I was kind of in a zone, you know? And when you're in the zone, everything looks great. I mean, in a basketball game, the rim seems like it's this big, and, and everything's moving slower except you, and you feel like you're moving faster. And that night, that's how it felt for me. And in the first half, I had seven opportunities to shoot the ball. I made all seven shots. I got fouled. I went to free throw line seven times. I made all seven free throws. I was already in double-digit assists, and by halftime, I was feeling really good about that night. I mean, I didn't want to go to halftime. I wanted to just keep playing, you know. And so early in the second half, we're winning by quite a bit, and our coach takes me out. But, but, but as, they, as they take me out, uh, it's a timeout. They're going to take me out. One of the players on my team comes up, and he pats me on the back, and he says, man, are you ever going to miss? You're seven for seven. Well, I didn't know that in my head. But all of a sudden... Seven for seven, Uh uh-oh, what if I miss a shot? And atychophobia set in. About the next four or five minutes of the game, when I was back in the game, I had wide open shots, I didn't take them. Because I didn't want to miss. And when I had the opportunity to take an easy shot, I passed it up and gave it to one of my teammates. They made it, I'll never forget, we headed down the floor, he runs up beside me and goes, what in the world are you doing? Atychophobia set in. Now, it didn't last. It didn't last. I began to think about it after the game. I thought, that's kind of crazy to play ball like that because, you know, a lot of people miss shots. I mean, Michael Jordan missed a lot of shots, okay? Larry Bird missed a ton of shots. And so I thought, you know, there's no reason to be this way. But every once in a while, that fear has a tendency to settle in for me because I don't want to fail. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to be there. And so that's real for me. I don't know what's real for you. I don't know what you have in your life that you're afraid of or the fear that bothers you. Did you know the scripture talks about fear quite a bit? I mean, a lot more than what you would think about. In the Bible, the word fear or the concept of fear 
is mentioned 1,000 different times. A thousand different times. In fact, I went through and looked it up. The word fear is used 441 times. The word afraid, 167 times. To tremble, 101 times. And the word terror or terrified, 121 times. And the words dread, frighten, and faint are repeatedly used throughout Scripture. A thousand times the Bible talks about fear. And it also settles in on biblical characters. Did you know that Abraham was afraid that he would not have a son to carry on his lineage? And God came to him in Genesis 15 and said, Abraham, do not be afraid. I'm going to deliver you a son. Did you know the Israelite nation, as they came up to the Red Sea, and the Egyptian army is coming up from behind, and they feel like they're going to get slaughtered, and there's no way to get across the Red Sea that they know of. And Moses looked at the Israelite nation and said, Hey, do not be afraid. God will deliver you. Look at the deliverance of the Lord. Hmm. King David wrote in Psalm 23 and verse 4, He said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, O God, you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And Jeremiah, poor Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Early on in that book, in the Old Testament, Jeremiah is afraid to even preach to the people. And God said, you do not be afraid. You go preach. I'll take care of the rest. You see, it happens to a lot of people. It even happens to the good people in Scripture. And it can happen to you. You can have fear in your life that just settles in and overtakes you and ruins the person that God wants you to be. So how are we going to get beyond that? How are we going to get beyond that? There's one scripture that starts out with a key word that I think is very, very important for us to hang on to. It's Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, when the scripture says, trust. There it is. If you don't have anything else written down yet, if you don't have anything else in your Bible that you've marked, you need to mark the word trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He will make straight your paths. The key is to trust the Lord. You see, when we will trust the Lord and put our lives in His hands, then He will take our fear, and He'll take it upon Himself, and He'll replace that with courage. But you have to trust Him. You've got to put your life in His hands in order for that fear to leave and for courage to set in. In fact, you won't be able to do that very well until you love the Lord. And you let Him love you as well. 1 John 4 and verse 18 talks about fear. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears has not been made perfect in love. Love. You see, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you accept His love into your life, His grace and His mercy, that perfect love of God should cast out the fear that controls you. So how do we deal with this topic? How do we take the brokenness of fear, that piece of glass that some of you have probably even put into that, that logo up there that's being built, 
How do you take that fear and give it over to God and allow Him to deal with it? Well, first of all, you have to understand that fear is a common sin. Fear is a common sin. Fear is something that all of us deal with. Why? Because it's in our human nature. We have fear that, that comes to visit us on a regular basis. Now, there's nothing wrong with having fear visit you. It's going to happen during the day. In fact, it may happen every single day. I'll guarantee you not one of you is going to get up tomorrow morning and say to yourself, wow, I think this is a good day to be afraid. You're not going to do that. You're not going to get up and say, you know what? I'm going to be fearful all day long. That's what I'm going to do today. You don't do that. But our human nature, some things come along in life and we get fearful about them. And it visits us, and as it visits us, we have to figure out what to do with that. Now, there's nothing wrong with fear visiting you. Every once in a great while, my atychophobia kicks in. And I fear failure. And I hate that. And I pray right away, and I ask God to take it away, and he does. Here's the key. It's going to visit you from time to time. Whatever your phobia is, whatever your fear might be, but... It only becomes a problem when you allow it to settle into your heart and settle into your mind and take control and take you prisoner. There you have a problem. That's when fear is running your life. That's when fear is taking over. And that's the sin. It's not a sin to have fear visit you. It is a sin when that fear settles in and you allow it to do so. You allow it to stay. In fact, you open up doors for it. You, you invite it in. You, you feed it. You nourish it. You take care of it. And you know, sometimes you get so used to being fearful about a certain thing in your life that if you weren't fearful, you would think there's something wrong. And that's where God wants to take that fear away from you. He wants to remove that fear from your life, and he wants to give you the courage to deal with what you need to deal with. You see, there, there, is, there is a certain comparison we make at times between faith in God and fear. Now faith, faith says, you know, no matter what comes my way, no matter what it is, I'm okay because of God. You know, it comes to visit and you say, no, my faith, it's okay because of God. God's there. He's going to take care of it. But fear has a tendency to say this, Fear says it's not going to be okay, and you don't even consider God as a possibility. You see, that's when you know it's going to settle in. That's when you know it's going to take over in your life. When you say it's not going to be okay, and you don't even consider the fact that God can help you with it. That's a problem. Romans 8, chapter, and verse 15, uh, one of my favorite passages in the New Testament, it says this, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves. Now we're talking about the Holy Spirit in your life. Once you give your life to Jesus, Holy Spirit comes in. That's not the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Holy Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we're able to cry, Abba, Father. And in the Hebrew text, that means Daddy. We cry out to God in heaven. We can say, Dad, I need help. 
I don't want to let this fear take control in my life. I do not want this fear to run what I do. And I do not want this fear to ruin who I am in you. And so what we do is we accept the Holy Spirit power and we allow the Holy Spirit of God to take that fear and replace it with courage and to face what life brings our way. Fear is a common sin. It's common among us as believers. But God doesn't want that to be there, and so he wants to replace it. How are we going to do that? How do you get beyond that? How do you, how do you get beyond that fear and take it out of your life? Well, there's a certain way. You've got to remove fear. You've got you to take that away by putting your trust in the Lord. You've you got to do that. You've got to overcome that feeling, that sense of fear in your life by trusting in God. Now, here's how you do that. You're going to trust God by practicing His presence every single day. Man, you've got to know that God's with you and God's for you. And that God's going to walk with you through whatever comes your way. I think that's important. A few verses to look at, beginning in Hebrews. We see this passage of Scripture. Keep your lives free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. God's not going to leave. I've oftentimes over the years of ministry, when people say, I just don't feel like God is with me during the day, I'll say, guess what? You know who moved? You did. Because God doesn't move. God's with you. When he promises he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you, he will fulfill that promise. God will always follow through on that. Another passage you want to have in mind, practicing the presence of God. We want to move on. You got the next one back there? Here we go. Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, <laughs> who can be against us? I love that passage. If God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, if you got God on your side... If you've got God walking with you, if you're practicing His presence every single day, what can come against you that can cause you to have a bad day? Nothing. When you focus on Him, when you trust the Lord, when you give Him first place in your life, He will take care of you. And Jesus prayed a prayer in John 17. He prayed a prayer for His disciples and he said this, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. Now he's praying this prayer to God. God, I don't want you to take my followers, the, the believers, I don't want you to take them out of the world. But I pray that you'll protect them from the evil one. Huh. They're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. You see, as you sent me into the world, O Lord, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Wow, what a passage of Scripture. The truth of God can settle into your life when you practice His presence. 
when you allow him to walk with you. And I know somebody out there today is saying, oh, Pastor Fred, doesn't God, isn't God with everyone? Isn't God with everyone every day, all the time, so that we can call upon his name? The biblical answer to that is no. God's not with everyone every day. He's omnipresent. He's omnipresent. He's always present, but he's not available to everyone. How do I know that? There are four categories in Scripture that are very clear that teach us that God is not with some people. You know why? It's because of their attitude. It's because they repel God with who they are and what they do. God is not with, and I'm going to give you these four, God is not with, number one, the proud. The Bible says in Psalm 138 and verse 6, God hates pride and he is not going to be with those who are puffed up with arrogance. God's not available to them until they repent and come to him. Number two, God is not with the worldly. James 4.4 says, if you made friends with the world, you are an enemy of God. If you make friends with the things of the world, you're an enemy of God. If you're caught up in the world and the things of this world, and you like it in the world, and you like the sin of the world, you are an enemy of God. God is not going to be with you if you put the world ahead of him. It's pretty simple. Number three, he's not with the rebellious. Isaiah 1, 5, and 15. If you read those passages, it says that those who rebel against God, he will not even hear their prayers. Not until they repent. If you rebel against God, he's not even going to listen. In fact, the scripture there in the Hebrew text says he won't even listen to the prayer of one who is rebelling against him. God's not going to be with them. And here's number four. God's not going to be with those who hold on to their sin. James 3 and verse 2 tells us that there's an attitude there that we need to get rid of, we need to repent of, and we're going to hold on to our sin, then God's not going to be with you during that time. Let me give you an illustration of that. In the Old Testament, you remember the story of how the Israelite nation, they were bound up in slavery in Egypt. And Pharaoh would not let them go. And God sent Moses and Aaron back to deliver the nation of Israel out of Egypt. And when they went back, they said, let the people go. And Pharaoh said, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. And he hardened his heart. And so God said, Moses, you go stretch out your staff. And the Nile, the water supply of Egypt, it's going to turn to blood. Not red water, blood. It's going to stink up the land. People won't be able to drink it. That's the first plague. So Moses went, stretched out the staff. Nile turned to blood. And Pharaoh looked at it, and he hardened his heart. He said, I'm not going to let him go. So then God said, you go back, and you tell him that there are going to be frogs. And there are going to be frogs everywhere. There's going to be frogs on the nose. There's going to be frogs on their toes. There's going to be frogs in their bed. There's going to be frogs on their head. I should write children's books, right? right? There's going to be frogs everywhere. And you know what the Bible says? There was. There was frogs in their food, in their closets, in their beds, on their rooftops. There were frogs everywhere. And Pharaoh asked Moses to pray that the Lord would take all the frogs away. Now here's what I find interesting. Exodus 8. Moses looks at Pharaoh and says, okay, I'm going to give you the privilege of deciding 
when I pray that prayer. When I pray that prayer to get rid of the frogs. You know what Pharaoh answered? Well, what would you answer? I would have said yesterday. Get rid of them yesterday, you know. Or now. That's a great time. Pray now. You know what Pharaoh said? Tomorrow. Tomorrow? Are you kidding? There's frogs everywhere. And he says, tomorrow? Do you know why he said that? Because he wanted to hold on to his sin one more night. It's not so much unlike us, is it? You know, when do you need to repent of your sin? Huh. Well, maybe I'll do that tomorrow. Because tonight I still want to go into that dark room in the back of my house and turn on my computer and look at the pornography. I'm going to wait one more night. I'm going to wait one more night. I'm going to do it tomorrow so that my addiction that I try to hide from everybody else, I can, I can participate in that for one more night and it'll make me feel good for a little while and then I'll have the same problems I've always had. Just one more night. When am I going to repent of my sin and come to Jesus? Well, maybe I'll do it next Sunday. Maybe I'll do it a month from now. Maybe I'll do it, you know why? Because often in our human nature, we want to hold on to our sin. And the Bible says God will not be with you when you hold on to your sin. You need to get rid of it now. I really wish Pharaoh would have said, pray now. You see, those four attitudes, and there are more I could have come up with, those four attitudes, they're God repellents. They push God away from us. That's not what we want, is it? We want God to be with us. We want him to, to walk with us and, and be in our presence. So what do we do? Well, I can tell you this. God is for you. I'm going to give you three things. God is for you because, number one, he gave his son for you. In Romans 8 chapter, Romans 8 chapter, great passage. If you've never read Romans 8 or even memorized Romans 8, I encourage you to do so. Romans 8. And, and beginning in verse 32, the Bible says this, He who did not spare his own son, he gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Oh my goodness. God is for us because he gave us his own son. He died on the cross so that we could have eternal life. And if we're going to get beyond the fear in our life, we have to trust God and trust the fact that Jesus died in our place and that we can have eternal life through him. We've got to trust in that. Secondly, God's for you because he defends you. If you go right on in Romans 8, verses 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for every single one of us. Wow, God's for us. God's for us. He doesn't want to go against you. He wants to be for you. In order for him to work with you, you've got to invite him in. You've got to ask him for the courage to repent of your sin and to move 
toward him. There's a third one. God's for you because he helps you. Hebrews 13, 6 says he's going to help you. He's not going to leave you alone. He's going to take care of you. Isn't that what you want in your life? Is for God to do that for you? Is to take care of you? To help you get beyond your phobia? And I don't know what that is for you. For me, it's a tichophobia. It's the fear of failure. And I don't like that feeling. And it only comes to visit every once in a great while. But when it does, I immediately pray. And I turn it over to God. I ask Him for the courage to move beyond the fear so that I can serve Him. That's what you can do. That's what you can do today. Fear is a common sin, but you can overcome fear when you trust in the Lord. Deuteronomy, the 31st chapter, and verse 6. Moses is not going to have the opportunity to walk into the promised land because he sinned in front of God. But Joshua is going to lead him in. And Moses looks at Israel, the nation, and says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified or fearful because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you, and he will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. Just a little while later, when Joshua was getting ready to lead Israel into the promised land, Joshua 1.9, in fact, actually, verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, in four verses, three times, God says, be strong and courageous. But here's what verse 9 says. He says, as he looks at Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged or fearful. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. How are you going to get rid of fear in your life? Here's what you're going to do. You're going to repent of the sin of fear. And you're going to trust in the Lord God. Because when he says he will be with you, he will be with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. The key is trusting in God. You may have heard the story of an old, little old town, an old grocery store in town 30, 40 years ago. If you walked into this little town and you walked into that grocery store, the cash register and the counter were right up front. You could go in and shop and bring your stuff back to the front. You'd pay for it there. But on the front of the cash register in that old grocery store in that little town, there was a sign. It was weathered. It had been there a long time, but it was there for everybody to see as soon as you walked in the door. What did that sign say? It said, we trust in God. Everybody else has to pay cash. The question is this morning, do you trust in the Lord? And do you want him to walk with you? In the 1700s in the United Kingdom, there was a preacher by the name of John Wesley. And John Wesley preached tremendous truth out of the word of God. And he brought tens of thousands of people to follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. On a common basis, on a regular basis, he would preach to the crowds and he would tell them that, that one of the best blessings of being a Christian was that God would be with them. That, that they could count on his presence in their life every single day. 
when John Wesley was dying on his deathbed with friends and family members around him. They said he didn't say much. He began to struggle for breath. And they said with his last breath, as he left this earth, John Wesley said, best of all, God is with us. Best of all, God is with us. You see, if you're going to overcome the fear, and you're going to have the courage of the Lord instead, you've got to trust Him. And you've got to know that best of all, He's with you. And He's never going to leave you, and He's never going to forsake you. And He'll take all the broken pieces of your life and he'll make something beautiful for you if you want that today if you desire to get rid of your fears if you desire to have the courage to face life then you need to trust him put your trust in the Lord our God you need to do that today I'm going to pray for all of us then we're going to sing and as we sing, you need to come forward. If you want to trust the Lord today, if you want to get rid of some of the fear in your life, you, you, you can come forward. You can use the stairs to pray while people can pray with you. But if you want to walk with the Lord and have Him walking with you, if you want Him to be with you, then let go. Let go of all the brokenness. Put your life in His hands. Trust Him. Trust Him. Let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, we are so thankful that the Scripture is full of illustrations of people who had fears, and yet you reassured them that their fears did not have to stay because you would provide for them. God, today we know that you're going to do that for us. That, Father, no matter what we face, no matter when fear comes to visit, you're going to be there. And so, Lord, we want to trust you with that. We want to put our lives in your hands. We want our hearts and our minds to be in your hands. So, God, I pray today that if there's someone here who's battling brokenness, who's battling the fear of making that decision, Father, through your Holy Spirit, give them great courage and allow them to come to walk with you. Father, I'm just going to pray that prayer. And we're going to ask it in the name, in the strong name, the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen and amen.